This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 626 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and TotalSaddleFit.com. On today's episode, we have a great interview with the directors of the Dressage Foundation. After that, we get geared up for the North American Youth Championships with guest Rose Keller. Reese and I will tackle the Total Saddle Fit Trainer Tip of the Week. This is Reese Koppler-Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. Hi, Reese. How's your day going? Oh, so far, so good. We are doing, still showing. Uh, we're heading to a horse show tomorrow. Um, I'm going to get one more Grand Prix special in. Uh, we're, we're just tackling this test. It is, it is a difficult test. Uh, so we're heading to Ohio tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to that. And you've been at a horse show all day today, too, right? Uh, yes. So, um, you know, for our horse shows, we, uh, they're all kind of ship in shows. So, uh, we shipped four horses over to the showgrounds today, this morning, and I was riding three of them to get them ready to compete tomorrow while we are under a tornado warning in our area. Mm. So Mm -hmm. this is a challenge for sure. (laughs) I can't say that it's been a wonderful day. (laughs) <laughs> most of the time i'm just hanging on for dear life to be honest it's Fair. uh you know i try to uh describe this venue so this venue is used for international show jumping and dressage because there's a, a cdi going on at this competition grounds this weekend and i mean if if anyone has shown at a show jumper facility they love fanfare and yeah they they want they want to create a lot of spectator ambiance. I, I don't know how else yeah. to say that, which is but good. It, it's a big Very environment. Good. It's a big, big environment, environment. and mm-hmm. that that is wonderful. But it's a lot when the wind is really. Uh. It was blowing a lot today, and and there are there are um, a lot of flags, and when they get going, they make that flag yep. noise, whipping flag, whipping, whipping noise, yep. yeah, whipping noise. So that's a bit yeah. of a distraction, Oof. and then. Oof. The whole VIP section made a lot of noises that I was actually really kind of concerned that it was you know, parts of it were going to blow over. Mm. Mm. So it was really difficult today to, you know, be giving yeah. my horses confidence and being the steady, calm one when I could mm. feel my heart bumping, you know, yeah. pounding through my yeah. chest and I can feel my horses hearts pumping. So it, yeah. it was a lot. It was a lot. And, well, and you your know, horses I, too haven't been out, right? I mean, they, they because of due to COVID. I mean, they at, yeah, they were at that venue last year once, and we've been at home all yeah. winter and all spring, and so this is it was it was super challenging. So I thought I'd just share with with our listeners and everything and how how I sort of tackled this, you know, mentally, physically. So the first two horses. I brought down was the ones I was really more confident in and uh, the ones where I could say like, 
I was pretty sure that they were not going to spook and, you know, whatever, or I, I could manage them best and they were spooking. So then I sort of left the, the, my big guy for last, which, you know, I was fine with, but by the time I had, you know, started tacking him up and getting ready to go down, I was really kind of feeling exhausted and overwhelmed. So I just tried to create a plan in which I could manage each step and, and not try and just get on him and take him down. You know, I've been riding this horse, you know, since he was four years old and showing him and all that. But I decided this would be a day that I would just take him down to the lunging area. And I mean, to, to take the horse down to the lunging area is really far. So it was it was quite a walk. But, uh, you know, I decided, OK, this is my plan. I'm going to do that. So. I walked him all the way down there, started lunging him, and you know it was really quiet down there. So I was like, "Well, I think I—I I don't even know if this is allowed, but I was like, I think I'm just going to get on him right here and ride him down here a little bit. You know, if there were more people lunging and all that, then it certainly wouldn't have been allowed. But it wasn't bothering anyone, so I got on and I—I I, um, I rode it down there a little bit, and then I'm like, okay, you know, I can progress to the next step. So I rode him over to uh, a really more quiet warm-up ring where he has he has warmed up and showed. And that, that lower ring, that's more for, you know, kind of training level. First, you know, he had shown first level down there and, and possibly second level. So I, you know, try to stay out of everybody's way, you know. And because there was a lot more freakouts happening, it wasn't just, you know, my horses or anything. So... Then I, then I, you know, rode him around there and warmed him up a little bit until I felt comfortable and he felt more relaxed. And I went through a couple of, he's, he's showing the St. George this weekend. So I went through a couple of St. George movements and I, you know, built my confidence up and I said, you know, all right, buddy, we're going to try to go down into the main ring. So I got off, you know, it, it's quite a distance, um, you know, down to the main ring. So I didn't want to ride there because there's a lot of, stuff going on a lot of flags and there's a there's a pathway and you walk down the half pathway you know um it's probably half a kilometer so i got off walked him down put him on a lunge line again because i had it with me and walked him down to the main ring and we stood there for a bit i walked him a little bit back and forth trying to stay out of other people's way and uh you know he looked pretty confident looked a little tired from the lunging and the riding already so i was like okay well maybe you know maybe i can tackle this yeah, a lot of flags, but you know, <laughs> even if I just get on, walk him around, come back and get off, that would be fine. So then I got on him, walked him around a little bit, walked on the outside of the ring, and then he seemed okay. So then uh, I took him into the ring. So now I can't walk around anymore because there's other people warming up, and I have to, you know, put him on the bed and and you know start riding. Like I, I don't, I don't really like it when other people are, you know, kind of in my situation and just want to walk around the arena because it creates kind of issues, right? Just in flow. So, you know, I have to pick them up. I have to ride some movements so that I just get in the flow with the other riders that are in there. But I did that and it seemed okay, you know, and then I rode, uh, rode a couple of half passes. I rode the fours and I rode a, a little bit of the, uh, you know, like kind of a couple of quarter pirouettes. And then I was like, okay, Phil, you got to quit while you're ahead. You can't be running through the entire test here. We're just going to yeah. be happy with that. And so, yeah, I, I convinced myself I was happy with that. And I walked yeah. and I patted him. And, and uh, you know, I walked down the length of the arena. I hopped off and I walked him all the way back to the stabling. So I, I think it was just a case of, you know, 
break it down into you know simple steps that you can do. Start with the most basic, was lunging, and you know if you had been like completely crazy and pulling me around on the lunge line, maybe I wouldn't have progressed to the next step, and then you know, and then would have just tackled the whole thing tomorrow. Because again, it's a venue he's been at. He's been into the main ring. Tomorrow, if I, you know, if when the weather's better and I could have just warmed him up and gone to the main ring, you know, like I have to say to myself, it's not the Olympics, right? We're just trying to get right, some experience exactly. and get it's out in the ring. This is our first show positive. and, and yeah. manage things and just be positive. And I just, you know, I thought I'd share that that was my strategy yeah, today for, for conquering a difficult situation. Yeah. No, you know what? I'm so glad you shared that because I think so many people think, oh, professional riders, like, no, no, no. You know, we're, we're we're horsemen too. We have horses that are need experience and ones that are experienced that sometimes can do it, sometimes they can't. And I think what I loved about this story was it, number one, safety was the first one. I mean, this is a very difficult situation, right? There's terrible weather. Um, the horses have not been out normally what they would have normally. This would have been not his first show of the season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, horses have been out, right? Like right. everybody have been like out starting their young horses, and yeah. they're there. Yeah, they're just flying around, and it's it's. It, it's so I think there's close tough. to 200 horses at the venue. Right, it's not, it's not a little show. You and know, all of which so. haven't been out. Like, you know, the right. whole country was yeah. shut down much longer than America. Um, and you guys have not been able to show or go places. But I think what I love about it is you were very, each step, you broke it down and you were safe at each step and you made good decisions because, and I put this out there because I think some people don't make those decisions at horse shows. And a, a good friend of mine always says, you don't regret lunging, Right. Yeah. Always put a horse on a lunge line. Like, don't be. If it takes five more minutes, trust trust us. It's okay. Take your five minutes. Take a deep breath. You know. Um. And sometimes they need that. And you know what? Sometimes I will never forget. I took Big Mike to a horse show. Uh, he was probably six. Uh, he's nine now. It was showing second level. Same thing. He had been to the venue before. I had done all the things, but I got him down there and he just lost his mind for some reason. I don't know why. And I, it was not safe to get on. I was not comfortable to get on him. And I took him to the lunch pen and you know what? He had to be in there a while and I missed my class. I just, you know, it just, I, and, and I just said to my mom was with me. I said, mom, you gotta go scratch the class. Like I'm not going to be ready. And I'm going to push him to, he's not ready. I did not anticipate this was going to be a problem, but we are having this problem. And at the end of the day, Stepping back, losing my class fee, which nobody likes to do, but that was the right decision for my horse at that time. And it was the safest thing to do. And we came back and he got a great score and he had a great experience. So I think yeah, remembering I, I've that's I've important. I've classes too and I've never regretted it. Yeah, never. So I think yeah. it's really important. And I, and I love, I love how you step-by-step step did things and you did it in a safe way. You did it in a way that your horse, and this is not the normal circumstances because the world hasn't been normal, um, but you safe. You're here to tell us about it. You're here. You had a successful day with him and I know tomorrow he's going to go out and rock it and it's going to be great. But no, I love that story. And I think everybody think about it when you're at a horse show. Think of Phil uh, taking a step back. I think that's really important. So uh, uh, one extra thing, one extra thing, you know, it's been maybe two years since they've allowed this is that the noise canceling bonnets, even if you think your horse doesn't need one, have one in your tack trunk. Yes. Because with that, 
creak it with that creaking stand and stadium and flags, it I, it might have saved my life. All my uh -huh. horses went in a noise canceling bonnet today. Oh yeah, and oh, I don't regret that either. No. Yeah, ride Good with point. them at home to make sure your horse doesn't shake his head a lot or whatever. But but I think they are the greatest help when you yes. need it. And they're legal. You know, they're and legal. They're legal. Yeah. Yes, they're absolutely. Legal. I can show tomorrow. If, if it's windy again tomorrow, they're all going to go. They're in all again. going in them. Yeah. yeah. Big Mike. Big Mike is also a, a noise horse. Some horses get really sensitive to noise. I had one here at the barn today for a lesson and, and the, the rain came on the arena. It was not a, it was not a, it was a storm that came through, but it wasn't lightning. Like it was just rain. And this horse just had a moment. And I said to the owner, I said, he is clearly a noise horse. You need those ear bonnets. Like that, that horse should go in them all the time. Um, so great pro tip. Always have those ear bonnets out there. They're so important. It's awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're really awesome. They're awesome. And, and they're legal. There's no reason to not have them. Um, I like, I personally use the Shakamula ones, but there are other brands out there. I just like the way those fit. And so I, those are the ones yeah. I give it. All, all there's lots yeah. of different brands now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Love it. Oh, Phil, your pro tips were great. Well, we can't <laughs> wait to hear how the horse show goes. I'm just excited you guys get to go to the horse show. Uh, I'm really excited. And I hope you have a good show this weekend. And everybody's safe and sound. Um, and you get knock the dust off because you guys have really uh, been through a lot more than we have in, in regards to lockdown. You were in lockdown much, much longer. So we're glad you get to go to a show. Well, Phil, we're going to get into our show. We have a fantastic show for everybody. And uh, right after this commercial break. Our friends at Kentucky Performance Products have a contest going on for all of our listeners. You can win 20% off and free shipping for one year on the supplement of your choice that does not include Equijewel, along with a box of KPP prizes, custom leather halter, a KPP Centaur Turbo Dry Sheet. All you have to do is tell us how Kentucky Performance Products supplements have made a difference in your horse. Go to kppusa.com tell us and answer three simple questions. What KPP supplement do you use? Why have you chosen KPP over other brands? How have KPP supplements helped your horse? One lucky winner will be chosen at the end of the month. Who doesn't want 20% off and free shipping for a year? That's kppusa.com forward slash tell us. Well, tonight we are so excited to have our Dressage Foundation update from Executive Director Jenny Johnson. And we also have Sarah Weiss, Director of Grants and Programs on the program. Welcome, ladies. Thanks for having us. Thank I'm so you. excited you guys could stop by. So, Jenny, we it's been a long time since we've had an update from you guys. So we thought it was about time to kind of hear, uh, you know, first tell us what the Dressage Foundation does and then kind of give us a full update. Sure. So the Dressage Foundation um, was founded in 1989 by Lowell Boomer, and he started it so it could be a fundraising arm for the sport of dressage in the United States. You know, realizing that it's expensive and there was a lot of people at that time wanting to learn and get more education, he thought that having a foundation to provide uh, financial support for educational opportunities would be the way to go. So he started it back then. And since then, donors have provided great amounts of money and very generous support. So we can award grants um, every year to dressage riders from across the country not only riders, but there's grants for instructors, judges, breeders, 
dressage clubs and USDF group member organizations for educational events. And the list goes on and on. And we're really proud and honored to be able to provide that kind of support for every level, all ages, like I said, all across the country. So we appreciate all the donors who make that possible. And, you know, it has been a while since we've chatted and so much has happened. We have so many new grants and new programs. um, So it's really exciting time to be part of TDS. Oh, it's awesome. So Jenny, tell us, you know, can you kind of clue us in what's, what are some new grants you have going on? Yeah. So just in the last couple of years, even we've um, added some grants again, thanks to donors who have the foresight and the ability to help us establish these new funds. For instance, the Team Tate Mentorship and Leadership Fund for instructors helps instructors train with their mentors or get some additional education um, about running a business or communicating with customers and clients. So that's kind of a new exciting one. Um, Reaching out a little bit from the classical dressage, Lynn Palm has established grants for Western dressage riders through the foundation. So that's reaching a new aspect and a growing aspect of our sport. And the list kind of goes on with others that have been established. So we always invite people to come to our website and take a look and see what there is and if there's something available for them. I saw on a recent press release that the Century Club, which is run by the Dressage Foundation, has inducted its 500th member. So maybe, Sarah, you could tell us exactly you know, what is the Century Club? You know, how did that get started? And, uh, and, and what do you do with that? Sure. Um, well, the Century Club was started in 1996. So not only are we celebrating our 500th member, but we're also celebrating our 25th year. And it was started by Max Gallweiler, and he noticed that there was an opportunity to celebrate the older horse and the older rider. And those are two groups of of our community that sometimes get overlooked. And so they decided to um, put together a a century club here at the Dressage Foundation, and it has been um, popular ever since. It seems like each year the number of uh, applicants and new members increases. And so this year we did induct our 500th member. And what is amazing about her story is that her GMO that she belongs to is the same GMO as our first Century Club member, Lizelle Kanaki. And so it really is one of those things that kind of comes around full circle. Um, Helene Delachey, who is our 500th member, And she said that her and her horse have been partners for 26 years and that her horse is her best friend. So it's really exciting to honor them. Uh, We've already grown that number. We're sitting at 502 members and we've got 13 riders that have already applied for the rest of the year. That's awesome. I've actually witnessed somebody here in Canada get get their um, Century Club award and and I, that that was really special you know they um, did a little presentation at the show so it's not just Americans that can uh, that can be awarded through this award right and it's the century club is incredibly inspiring um, I'm a writer myself and you know an adult amateur who's just turned 40 and I don't have a problem saying that over the air but mm-hmm. you know sometimes I think you know gosh why do I keep riding or it gets harder every year 
And then I read some of the stories from Century Club members, um, writers that have overcome great obstacles, writers that don't start writing until they're in their 50s. Um, They don't buy a horse until they're in their 60s. And it's really inspiring to know and to, to recognize that this is a sport that all ages really can enjoy. And I think so many of them this is a bucket list item. And that is just, it's really fun to hear about all of these folks from across the nation that that really enjoy and really work hard to, to become a Century Club member. Absolutely. It's such a cool, I've seen some presentations and it is the coolest thing to watch. And literally, um, I was, I was, uh, I think it was last winter in Wellington. Uh, literally everybody stopped and cheered the whole place. Like it was so cool. Uh, it was really fun to watch and they did a presentation. I mean, it was fabulous. Um, and so Jenny, just kind of, obviously it's been a tough year for everybody, uh, especially nonprofits. Can you kind of talk to us about sort of the challenges that COVID has brought to the Dressage Foundation? You know, it has been a tough year and um, people who have given to nonprofit organizations this past year just know that it has been so welcomed by so many. Um, And we're not an exception to that either. One thing that I just love about how the foundation was established by the Boomer family was that they planned ahead and they thought ahead. So we have grant money sitting in an investment account that will help us award grants for years and years and years into the future. Um, So, you know, last year, even though donations may have been down a little bit from individual donors, which was completely understandable, like no expectations last year for sure (laughs) at all. And even this year, um, there were just bigger things and more important things going on. But we were able to still award all of our grants because donors in the past has made that possible for the present and for the future. So it was really special to be able to continue to help the dressage community because of those people and um, the planning that had been put into place. So, you know, we had some good stories from last year of, you know, someone who had lost their job because of the pandemic and they just didn't know how they were going to get any good training time with their horse. But the horse is the thing that brings them peace to their life and, you know, keeps them healthy and keeps them going. And then this adult amateur, she was able to apply for a grant and receive a grant to spend a week in concentrated training time with her horse. And she just said it was such a gift in such a bad year. Um, So it's just been really neat to be able to continue that support across the board and be able to still award grants, even when the going gets tough. Oh, absolutely. That's fantastic. Yeah, Amazing. that's phenomenal. Yeah, you guys and are doing good work. You guys are. And, and I've been I've been very lucky to be a recipient of the grants. And uh, I also uh, was able to chaperone the um, International Dream Program to Aachen, which is an incredible program. So that was one of the programs because I'm curious for myself, Jenny, what's going to happen with that program? Because obviously it was canceled. There was no international mm-hmm. travel. So what happens with that grant? And and I know there's been some kids that applied. So how does that work? Yes, unfortunately, we obviously had to cancel it for 2020. And then we also went ahead and canceled it for 21 just because there was so much uncertainty. Um, The program typically sends four of the U.S.'s top young writers and two chaperones over to um, 
Aachen to watch the big show in the summer and be part of all of that. And they get to meet one-on-one with top international trainers and judges and riders and have sit-down conversations with them and really experience this incredible learning opportunity and just Aachen in general, um, (laughs) which you can't really find in the States so much. So it's it's a great opportunity and one that we do hope to continue for next year. We, you know, we have booked our hotel months in advance of 2020 and the hotel keeps saying they will continue to hold our reservation. So we're crossing our fingers that in 22, we'll be able to have that program going once again. Awesome. So just how, how do people, you know, find out more information about the Dressage Foundation if you are going for grants? And I, I keep sending people, I hear a lot of times uh, young instructors can't find the funds for certification. Well, guys, this is how you do it. Uh, training grants. It's really, it's an amazing program. That's why we wanted to have you guys on. So how can people kind of find you online and get more information? People, if they're interested in any of our programs or grant opportunities, they can visit us at dressagefoundation.org. They can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, If they'd like, they can also sign up for our monthly e-newsletter. We promise we will not spam you. Um, So there's lots (laughs) of information in those e-newsletters as well. And um, most importantly, Jenny and I are always at the office and always, well, not always at the office, but (laughs) when we're here, we... (laughs) Probably feels that way. um, (laughs) Some days, Um, but we're um, here to answer any questions. So anybody can call or email us with um, any questions they might have about any of these grants and we will help to the best of our abilities. Fantastic. So um, Sarah or Jenny, I'm not sure who can answer this one the best, but are there any deadlines coming up that if you are in a specific program, I know there's certain times of the year that there are big deadlines, any deadlines coming up for for any programs? Yes, we are actually moving into a really busy time, which is exciting. On uh, July 20th, um, we have our first um, Lynn Palm Western Dressage uh, grants for individuals. Like Jenny mentioned earlier, that's a newer fund. And so the deadline for that is July 20th. And then we do in August have two of our our biggest grants that are due on the 15th, we have the $25,000 Ann Ramsey grant for U.S. bred horses. And then on August 31st, we have the 25000 Carol Lavelle Advanced Dressage Prize. Um, and then in September, we've got some youth grants. We've got instructor grants. And on September 15th, we have our gifted fund for adult amateurs. And what's great about that fund is we used to offer it for $1,000, but um, our board in the last year voted to increase that. So it is now $1,500. And we award a grant for adult amateurs in each of the regions, each of the USDF regions, and two wild cards. So there's lots of opportunities coming up. And our website has all the information. And we will be sharing um, all of that information as well on social media. Fantastic. Well, thank you ladies so much from, from me as a writer and trainer and, and a recipient of the grants. They truly are life-changing and I encourage everyone to go on the website and uh, look at all the grants because they really are amazing and the ladies do a great job. So thank you both so much for coming on and we wish you a continued uh, looking up in 2021. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for having us. 
Keeping our horses happy and healthy is paramount to horse owners everywhere. Since our horses are often a reflection of the environment we create for them, the Stall and Stable Show covers ideas that help us create the best home we can. From innovations in barn design to business best practices and lifestyle segments, there's a new episode every two weeks at stallandstable.com, Horse Radio Network, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, tonight, I am so happy to have my new friend. We met this week uh, virtually, but uh, Rose Keller on the line. Rose, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I know. It's kind of funny how you and I got hooked up. We got hooked up through um, my uh, young assistant, uh, Emily Bug, Carl's, and uh, you and her are friends. And you guys were having a fun conversation, actually. It does happen on Instagram. Uh, So we wanted to touch base about that. But first, I wanted to hear a little bit about yourself. So could you tell us about you and your horse? Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Rose. Uh, I am a FEI young rider from Region 8. I'm spending the summer in Massachusetts. Uh, My beloved dance partner is named Diego. And uh, we just qualified for the North American Youth Championships. Uh, So we're really excited to head to Michigan uh, next month. I love it. Yeah, Yeah, I know. So tell us about your dance partner. Yeah. So we've been together for two years. um, And in that time when I bought him, I had scores through training level test three, I believe. And I had big goals of doing the junior level. Um, and Diego graciously carried me around as I, you know, <laughs> loved every possible mistake one could make in the dressage arena. And we've sort of uh, gotten our way from training three tests all the way to the pre-St. George. And actually, we just did our first I-1 two weeks ago. So uh, just he's the light of my life. I could go on and on about him. I love it. That's so cool. I love hearing that you guys have kind of grown over time and together. That's phenomenal. So tell us, how are you getting ready for young riders? Yeah, definitely. So obviously I'm riding. Uh, I, Diego and I have a very uh, strict and intense program where we work together five days a week. Uh, but even more so than that, something that I really love about the North American Needs Championships is the sense of community that you get. And so me and the other girls that have qualified have started to fundraise and get sponsorships and really get to know each other over the course of the last month and a half since we sort of realized that we were the team. And just that process, it it would not be possible in any other individual competition setting where, don't get me wrong, I love going out to national competitions and I love seeing all my local friends at normal USEF shows, but there's just something so special about going to the North Americans and having this group with you that you've all sort of worked together to get to this point over the course of the summer. And you all get to see it culminate in this big event, usually pretty far from home. And uh, it's just such a really cool experience. And I'm, I'm so excited to get to do it again. I, I am pumped for you because uh, I was very lucky to to also do it back back in my day, back when I was your age, uh, which was a few years ago at this point. But, you know, it's fun because the riders that we did the teams together now were professional riders together. And a lot of us literally were on the same teams and went to the same competitions and, you know, and we're still friends. So I totally agree with you saying that it, it's just a, it's a really intense experience and, and you really are with youth that will 
sort of move forward with you up the ranks from young riders to U25 riders to young professionals. And then now, now into the professional ranks for me, we're all still friends and we have been friends a very long time now, about 20 years. And which is really cool because then you will become uh, colleagues and, and chat with, with them about training questions and clients. And, and it really is truly, I think the coolest thing that comes out of the young rider program. And, and I will say that's kind of how we got hooked up actually is you've started, you know, talking with your peers and you went to the USDF convention, right? And, and what did you see yeah. there? That was in Savannah a couple, it was two years ago now, or a year and a half. So kind of tell us what, what you've gotten started. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I went to the convention, uh, like you said, in 2019 in Savannah, Georgia, and uh, I should add here that I got there because of the USDF convention scholarship that everybody should go apply for. And I had truly, I'm going to expose myself here. I had no idea how uh, the United States Dressage Federation was run up until that moment. And as I got to sit in on all of these meetings about, you know, semantics of rules and dress codes for jackets and rule changes to the dressage rule book and just everything you could eat, sleep and breathe dressage, it was being talked about at the convention. Um, but I noticed that there was a distinct lack of younger people. And so I recently <laughs> had a habit of taking to my Instagram story to sort of reach out to my community uh, to see what their thoughts are on uh, the issues that were coming up at the convention that year. And it turns out that just because for whatever reason, there weren't as many young people at the convention. They still have lots to contribute, and there's still a lot of dialogue that's happening among younger communities. Uh, but it's just not getting advertised as well, and it's just we're not doing a good job of communicating our thoughts. And so, in an effort to sort of combine these two spheres that I have now occupied, I started engaging on Instagram. And uh, this is sort of how this came about. And it's so exciting. I'm yeah, I know, which is pretty cool, you know, and is, is that's how it kind of came about that you and I started chatting together. And, um, and, and I do think, I mean, what are some things that you guys were, were talking about on Instagram? Most recently, well, we obviously, it's NAYC season. So we covered, we talked a little bit about the North American Youth Championship qualifying process and how to make it a little bit more inclusive or accessible uh, to athletes who might struggle with certain aspects of the qualification process. And then most recently, uh, we've been talking about the USDF certification program because it's so important for young people to have mentors that they can trust and that they know the content that they're teaching. It's just so... Um, your younger years are full of such transition and that transition does occur often in uh, your dressage life. And I can speak to this personally where I've changed barns a bunch and it's stressful when there's no sort of objective standard that dressage professionals are really held accountable for sometimes. And so I always make an effort to really try to go to USDF certified individuals, but it's, it, it's a tricky business. And so we've just been having a really 
really good discussion about the whole USBF certification process, the instructor training program, the whole the whole nine yards. And so uh, it's just been really eye-opening to have. Uh, I'm so grateful to my community for being willing to discuss this with me because it's just incredible. Yeah. Well, and that's actually how we did start chatting was a little bit about that program, which was really cool that we were able to connect. But that's what I just loved about wanting to learn more about the organization. And um, it is so important to connect with other riders so that the organization does hear from young people. I think that, that that's a really important thing. And and you can't be heard unless you go to the meetings and unless you you make proposals and, and, and people will listen. I can tell you they will. Uh, so that was really cool that we were able to kind of chat a little bit about that program and and also just have you on the show. So how can lis- listeners, if you have a young person, uh, can they can they reach out to you on Instagram or kind of join that conversation? Because I think it's a really cool and important conversation. So how do they do that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anybody can reach out to me on Instagram and anything and everything I will put up on my story. And also, I think just generally, my recommendation would be to put your own thoughts up on your social media accounts. Because as soon as I started doing this, I noticed a couple other people started contributing in their own way on their own pages. And we sort of got this really national dialogue going there for a hot minute. That was just so fantastic because it was really clear that people like you were listening and GMOs were listening. And there was a moment where uh, both communities of the old and the young were engaged in this one niche area of USDF certification. And it was just a really incredible moment, I think, that really demonstrates how we can really use technology to our advantage to really get this done. And I, of course, am always willing to hear what anybody has to say about anything dressage related. My Instagram handle is rk.dressage and also I'm on Facebook. I love it. It it sounds like there should be like a national hashtag movement to, you know, kind of (laughs) unify all all of these conversations because they do sound great. Yeah, totally. Well, Rose, we want to keep you in the fold with us. We, I have loved talking with you. I love your energy and I love your ideas of just connecting people. And uh, I think that's the, the cool thing. And it's fun to hear how social media is, is being used for good things. Uh, I think that's really phenomenal. So it's been so fun to meet you. I can't wait to kind of see you, you know, cheer you on uh, while you're in Traverse City and uh, and beyond. And I like that you're keeping the conversation going. So we're going to give you a thumbs up and, and we can't wait to continue our, uh, this conversation. It's pretty cool. Yes. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. Well, Phil, this week and last week, we've all been cleaning our tack and I went through the barn today and I, I have two saddles that do not have stability stirrup leathers and their owners got text today with the link that I think that these stirrup leathers are the best on the market and they will help your leg position. So I sent them from Total Saddle Fit that link uh, because it I do believe very highly in these stirrups. I think they're fantastic. So I know you're in the same boat because you guys are also um, going. Well, you know, what's, uh, what's funny, you know, I was talking earlier about, you know, going to our first horse show for the season and I am seeing the Total Saddle Fit Stability Stirrup Leathers on more and more saddles these days. So it's not just you and me, Reese. People are are finding these and they're 
they're buying them and they're helping them and it's great. And there's a money back guarantee on them. So there's nothing to lose to kind of get them, try them out. You will love them. I promise. Yeah, we promise. Give them a try. Totalsaddlefit.com and Justin and his whole team over there. They're great. They do such a great job uh, and all their products are phenomenal. So uh, please give them a call and uh, let them know we sent you and happy riding. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, we have a great Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, don't we? It's you and me, buddy. (laughs) Well, that's okay. That's okay. We have this question from one of our listeners. It says, motivation is my biggest struggle when it comes to training. I find myself getting into a rut that I feel like my riding is not helping my horse and we aren't progressing as fast as I expect. Uh, What are our tips to encourage motivation when it comes to training their horse? So what do you think, Reese? Well, listen, I think Phil and I have both uh, been there. I, Every rider in my barn's been there. I had someone today, uh, you know, she's she's been working on the flying changes for a while and she's like, you know, basically having the same thought. And, and we would be lying if we said, oh, we never have that. We never, I, I have had a, a horse that's been particularly tricky this uh, winter. And um, I have a, a really good working student right now as a good rider. She rides him great. And I have to be honest, I've kind of been putting her on him a little bit. So we have a little separation. She's only here for a couple more weeks and uh, I've ridden him. And when I go back to ride him, like it's been awesome. So I think maybe he needed a little break from me. I probably needed a little break from him. So I think this is actually more common than you think. So don't feel badly about that, especially right now. I don't, I don't know where you are listening from, uh, but it's hot here in Kentucky and it's buggy and you know, some of the horses are just a little fussy. So it's a great time. I mean, I actually kind of take this part of July, beginning of August, I I typically go on a family vacation and uh, my horses have a little downtime uh, because it is that time of year. It's it's a little bit of our downtime. We're not showing as much because we showed a lot in the winter. Uh, So we we take a little break now, um, which has been great. So uh, we've been hacking a lot, just doing some lighter work. I mean, everybody's still working, but not as heavily as they were. And, you know, we're going to gear up for a lot of them, their next shows in September. So we're sort of taking a little downtime. We'll pull them back up after I get home from holiday. And I think that's good. And I think that's fine. And it's okay. And especially if you've been working on something, sometimes just taking a little break from that, let's say you're the flying changes or half pass or whatever you may be struggling with at the moment, just taking a deep breath and stepping back and go do something else. Stop training that. I guarantee, and I think Phil, you're probably on the same page. You'll come back to it and it magically works. Well, yeah. What do you think? Maybe, maybe if it doesn't, but you you know, that's fine too. Um, You know, I can certainly recommend doing something different. There's a lot of options. We've, we've talked about all kinds of cross training on this show. I think that's an amazing idea. You know, whatever it is that you can do that would be something different, have a horsemanship instructor come over and just do, you know, a, a mini clinic or, or, you know, branch out, you know, do something that maybe you didn't even think about before. But I think, you know, 
all these uh, all these things, whether it's a little jumping or you know, can help your partnership and your relationship with your horse. And uh, you know, just training, 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 training on something that maybe not might not be working. You know, doing it more and more perhaps is is not the right answer. I mean, you can have a different instructor come in and do some teaching. You can think about putting together a freestyle. Just anything different, I think. Just change it up for a few weeks, and, and then you can come back at it with you know renewed perspective, perhaps renewed ideas. You know, we we through the program have we we do different books. You know, for the book club, so there's lots of options there. Whether it's core strength for for horses, uh, you know, a Jack Baloo does some some great you know some great books with different exercises. I think when you get in the rut like that, you just have to switch it up. You have to do something different because you certainly don't want to you know drive to the barn for your for your training session or your lesson and just dread it like oh what's going to happen today oh i you know or get feeling like oh this is never going to work and and then, you know how do you think the horse feels when he gets pulled out of the stall and, and you're you know you've got that energy about you i think that's completely destructive and and not not positive and and, and not neither, neither horse nor rider is feeling good about the situation yeah yeah and i think when you do that just step back it's totally fine just relax step back do something else, go on a hack. Um, you know, we have a local park here. You can go ride. And so do some other things and, and just deep breaths and it will be fine. It really will be. And, and like you said, we want the horses to enjoy it. We want them to have that energy when you come in. And I think that's really important. So great question. Like we, we say, yeah, feel- yeah, the training of a horse is not a straight line. So no. maybe it's two steps back and, and, you know, you can talk to your instructor about this, this issue and just say, can, can we, can we work on something different or, you know, is there something from first, you know, perhaps you're working on some second level stuff. Is there something from first level you think we could do better? I, I think, you know, when you approach the problems from the very basic level or even, you know, let's, let's just ride through some training level tests today and see how that goes. And, and let's, let's see if we can pick on some issues from a lower level that will help us work on a higher level thing. I, I think that's, you know, that's certainly a great idea. It takes the pressure off and go walk away from it for like, at least three weeks. That's usually yeah. what it takes for me yeah. to say, I, you know, I can keep working on pirouettes. It's not working. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to whatever it is, walk pirouettes or, or some half pass, and, and come back to it when the horse is stronger and I'm feeling mentally more capable of, of tackling the problem. And, and you know, you might come back to it, and, and your old issues won't be issues anymore. And wouldn't mm-hmm. that be great? Yeah. Sometimes that happens. So when you just take a deep breath. So I love it. Great question. As always, feel free. Uh, we love, this was an email. We love email and Facebook shout outs. We love email questions uh, because we're here for you guys and we like helping as much as we can. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is through Facebook and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products and totalsaddlefit.com. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we can't wait to talk to you next week. 